this afternoon in conjunction with our communion service, I ask you to turn with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 15. Perhaps you're asking, what does Numbers have to do with the cross of Christ? I think you'll know fairly soon. Numbers chapter 15, commencing verse 27. It's one of those case laws similar to what we read in Leviticus. In Leviticus, there was a man who took the Lord's name in vain and Moses was not exactly sure what to do so they put him in prison and they sought the Lord's will and he said, stone the man. It was a a capital crime in Israel. There was another case point in this passage that The Lord then goes on to develop a prevention and uh, an illustration for them regarding their precautions to keep the commandments of the Lord and to, to please Him. Chapter 15 and verse 27. And if any soul sin through ignorance then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly when he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. So, someone sinned ignorantly, uh, inadvertently, there was a sacrifice for him. Brother, maybe you could help the visitor just to encourage him and show him the Scripture where we are. And then, beginning with... uh, Now, we're looking at sins of a... A, willful, a willfulness or a purposeful sin. He went to the basement, brother, I think. No. Verse 30, But the soul that sinneth presumptuously, I'm sorry, but the soul that doeth aught presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he hath despised the word of the Lord, and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. The word presumptuously literally is with a high hand. Someone that lifted up their hand either did it positively or negatively. They did it positively if they were about to make an oath or to swear before the Lord or to lift up and bless the people. But 
high-handedly, this presumptuously means, as it were, lifted up a fist unto God and said, I will have my way, I will do my will. So it's obviously a a very uh, wicked, self-centered, blasphemous gesture and heart. There was no offering for the presumptuous sin. Verse 31, Because he hath despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. And now, Moses inserts here a case in point of someone that sins presumptuously and lifts up a high hand against the Lord. Verse 32, And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without or outside the camp and stoned him with stones. And he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Now the Lord gives a precaution against such presumptuous sins. A help for them to think twice lest they're endangering their lives. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring. Ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord, your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. So we have a very interesting Situation, a very interesting event that took place while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. God was instructing the Israelites that there was a sacrifice for inadvertent or ignorant sins. And He explains that they may be forgiven if the person is repentant and the person offers particular offerings. But in their economy... There was no sacrifice for presumptuous sins. Sins with a high hand. I will do whatever I want to do. And that was uh, a very dangerous thing to do. Years ago, one of our elders was working with someone and he continued to take the Lord's name in vain. Very kindly, he said, please... Please use my Lord's name 
respectfully. And the man basically with his hand high in the air, he said, I will use whoever's name I want to use. And you would not be surprised that the man died of mouth cancer. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, here's a case in point. Moses, you see, in juxtaposition of the teaching, you, there's no sacrifice for presumptuous sins. Here is a man that was caught in the wilderness. Now, people will look at this passage and say, isn't God um, unkind? Isn't God being uh, over the top with his judgments? And it's unfortunate that this word that's is translated sticks. That is the rare um, translation of a word that's used many times in the Old Testament. More than many times it's translated wood. It's translated tree. It's translated wood. It's translated planks. This man was not merely picking up a few sticks, as it were, Although that would have still been something that was taboo in Israel to do any work on the Sabbath day. But that man, you think about this, there are two million people. When they first, when they first uh, camped, where do you think, uh, what do you think happened to any wood that was nearby? It's gone. That man did not merely walk outside his tent and pick up a few sticks. He went for a hike. I don't believe that I'm just reading into this. He went for a hike with, as it were, with his backpack and he was going to collect wood, firewood, on the Sabbath day, whether or not it was appropriate or not. And uh, many believe that the man was also, and in those days it was forbidden even to start a fire on the Sabbath day. And and that he was intending to do that as well. But we can't prove that. But certainly, he was intentional. He was presumptuous. He lifted his hand in the air and said, I don't care what God says. I am going to collect wood on the Sabbath day. And so Moses inserts this in this particular situation. You know, people will read this and say, this is just the Old Testament. But there's still a fourth commandment that abides today. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You see how God was so serious with seemingly such a small thing, a man collecting firewood on the Sabbath, and the Lord struck him down through his people. And yet there are people today that say, the Sabbath is, is an ancient command. If I just go to church in the morning, I've kept the Sabbath day. We, we just don't realize the holiness of God and the holiness of His commandments. And... Uh, um, it's, God is going to bring people to account for their, their uh, um, profaning of His holy day. And you think about sports was never on Sundays in the old days. You remember that, that uh, the baseball teams just started to play Sundays back probably in the 20s and 30s. Billy Sunday was a man that was a Chicago White Sox baseball player and he was not playing on Sunday when he was in the city of Chicago, and he was converted listening to a, a, a public preacher uh, in the, on a street corner in Chicago because he wasn't playing, because it was something that the baseball league never did. Well, I'm getting off on a little rabbit trail, but this is applicable because 
See how God is serious about the keeping of His commandments. And when we, with a high hand, lie or deceive or lust, uh, we should be thankful that God did not deal with us as He did in the old days in the, in the wilderness. But you see, this is a case in point. Moses didn't know exactly what to do. And so the man, just like the blasphemer back in chapter 24 of Leviticus, <clears throat> the man was, was imprisoned. <clears throat> he was put in ward, verse 34, and Moses sought the Lord and it didn't take long. The Lord said he's to be stoned. <clears throat> and notice that the whole congregation was to stone him. They were all affected by his sin. Many people saw this man take his hike. Many people saw him with a high hand bringing this firewood back. He was defying the commandments of God. And so the Lord wanted all the congregation to stone him because everybody was affected. And the fear of God was put in that congregation. And we know that we ought to fear the Lord. The Bible says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so you see that this took place. And right after they stoned the man, the Lord in His kindness enacted something that would help people to think twice about endangering their souls and endangering their lives. And so you understand the connection between the visible tassels in the wilderness that God enacted here and the visible communion table, the bread and the wine. Something to help us to jar our thinking, to jar our memories, to make us think seriously about worship and serving God. And so you have this following section where the Lord speaks to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments. And so the fringes are the tassels. And probably we're talking about the borders. You know, you, sometimes you get this idea that there, there were tassels all around the circumference of the, of the, uh, the bottom of the garment. The, the, uh, what would you call that? The the hem of the garment, but it says the borders. So most likely there are the four corners because uh, that's how it's translated uh, corners in other passages. So nonetheless, you had at least four fringe or four tassels, and we're told that they also were to put um, a ribbon of blue on them, so you could see the tassels very easily. Now remember, the Pharisees took this. Um, Literally, yes. But they enlarged their tassels. They wanted people to think that they were holy and righteous. And so you have the hypocrisy of the Pharisees enlarging that which was not to be necessarily a very large visible reminder, but enough and colorful enough where you would see every person in their, in their clothing, you'd see these tassels. And you'd see the ribbon of blue Speaking of royalty, of, of the glory of God. And what was it doing? I need to be obedient to God. Remember the man that was stoned in the wilderness for his presumptuous sin. And so, they were visible reminders in God's kindness. He had many visible reminders in the Old Testament. He's left us with a few. He's left us with the bread and the wine. 
These are visible reminders. They do not turn into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's cannibalism. I was taught that for years. This is the body of Christ. They, they used a metaphor as if it was literal. It's a metaphor. Jesus is saying, this is the representation of my body. It's the representation of my blood. So these are visible reminders of Jesus' death, of our need to worship the Lord and serve Him. And then He gives us the visible reminder of the baptismal waters, of the washing away of our sins and being in covenant relationship with God, and the head covering in women that reminds us of humility and of submission to those in authority over us. So God has given us a very minimum amount of visible reminders, obviously because the full doctrine has come with the revelation of Jesus Christ. But they had so many reminders. The animals, the birds being sacrificed, the tassels, the, uh, the, the clothing, the jewels on the, the, on the breastplate and the shoulder pieces. They had so many different um, reminders in God's kindness of them before the full revelation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just want us to, to see how this is a parallel to our visible reminder of the, of the death of Jesus and of our need to be grateful to Him and in response to contemplating Jesus' death that we are to live in light of it. Always to live in light of Calvary. We should be living in the shadow of Calvary every day. Every day we should be living with the thought, Jesus died for me. Is this thought a godly thought? Is this action going to honor Him? Is this, is this work going to please Him? So we should always monitor our thoughts, words, and deeds in the shadow of Calvary. We don't wear tassels to remind us. It's not commanded for us to do so. But we are commanded to partake of the visible illustrations of the body and blood of Jesus. And first of all, by the way, to be baptized. Uh, baptism comes before the Lord's table. A person that comes to the Lord's table should be a baptized person according to Scripture. No one should dare take the Lord's table if you have, you've never been baptized. It's giving a false picture. It's, the Lord's table is a picture of sanctification. Baptism is a picture of regeneration. A person that takes the Lord's table without taking and not being baptized is saying, I can be sanctified without being saved. I can be sanctified without being regenerated. And a person that has been baptized and doesn't come to the Lord's table is saying, I can be regenerated and not, I don't need to grow. I don't need to call Jesus my Lord. He's my Savior. He doesn't need to be my Lord. And so you see the need of first and second, but both um, sacraments as illustrations of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as obviously a precaution, if you've never been baptized uh, in the name of the Lord, please do not take the Lord's table tonight. It's a false picture. And uh, the Lord is here to witness. So he says to them to uh, make these tassels on the fringes. Uh, I'm sorry, to, to make them fringes or tassels on the borders of their garments throughout their generations and then to put upon them a fringe or uh, upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon or a thread of blue. 
And it shall be for a fringe that you might look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord. So I like to compare it with the Lord's table, for instance. As we come to the Lord's table tonight, we are to remember that Jesus died not just for our sins of ignorance, but in His grace, He has died for our sins of presumption, of sins of a high hand. Oh, God is gracious, isn't He? Which one of us can say we've never sinned purposely, willfully, with a high hand, arrogantly? Many of our sins are ignorant sins. We, a stray word. We, we, we flew off the handle, as it were, and we didn't necessarily intend to. And, and there are a lot of secret sins. David said, Lord, forgive me my secret sins. We had a jealous look or something, or we had a, an, we had a, an envious thought come into our mind. Remember we talked about last week that the, the, the leper had a red spot or a rising, and we begin to see the first fruits or the first, first portions of, of, of a sinful nature. Well, the Lord forgives, and He died for our sins of ignorance. But how many of us knew that we were deceiving someone, and we did it? We knew we shouldn't have taken that item and stolen it, and we did. We knew we shouldn't have exaggerated that story and embellished our importance, and we did. And we, we sin with a high hand. We sin purposely, willfully. I know that's not right to make that decision. I'm going to do it anyway. That's a sin with a high hand. And the Lord Jesus Christ died for sins of a high hand. But this table should remind us that He died for our sins. How can we, in the light of Calvary, in, in, in seeing the illustrations of His body and blood, of suffering for us, how can we go ahead and sin willfully and presumptuously? Oh, may God help us and strengthen our hearts to resist the temptation of the devil and the temptation of the flesh and the temptation of the world and do the will of God. Secondly, remember that Jesus was cut off and crucified in our place. He's put to death. We feel sorry for this rebel. And yes, we say, that could have been me. But He was a sinner like you and I. He was a rebellious, obnoxious sinner like you and I. But Jesus had no sin of His own. Jesus was humble. Jesus was holy. He was harmless. He was a friend of sinners. And yet He was put to death in our place. May I say that man had a, a pretty quick death. The way that they stoned people in those days, they took off their robes. And they found considerable sized stones. And it didn't take long if you were struck in the forehead with a stone that you were unconscious immediately. Stoning was a rather very quick, I'm not saying painless, but a very quick, swift death. Jesus Christ hung on that tree for six hours. Felt every punch the night before. Felt every hour that He didn't sleep as He was imprisoned all night long. He felt every single pain to his whole body. He indeed 
took the place of sinners dying. He suffered the wrath of God. He died physically and He suffered the death of a condemned criminal. Jesus was treated as the worst criminal in the world. He didn't just have the sins of one sinner upon Him. He had the sins of millions of sinners upon Him. What does that feel like, brother and sister? It feels heavy that we feel our own sins. But think about Jesus having the sins of millions of of people imputed to His account. Oh, the heaviness. Oh, the wrath that He felt. And remember, just like this man was taken outside the gate. It's a picture of hell. He wasn't stoned inside the camp. They led Him outside the camp. Outside the camp of believers. He was stoned and condemned outside, as it were, in the wilderness. The Bible says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire outside the camp. We read that outside the smoke of their torment arises forever and ever. There seems to be the indication that believers in the new heaven and the new earth will see the smoke arise to remind us of what we have been saved from. This is serious as the Lord teaches us about sin and its sinfulness. Remember, there were many executioners. All the congregation stoned this man. I suppose that they lost sight of him because they had scores of people picking up stones. He may have been buried underneath a whole deluge of stones. Jesus had many people punch him and whip him and mock him and curse him blaspheme him. But the greatest executioner, the the scariest executioner was his own father. And you and I have been delivered from so great a death. The Bible talks about people at the judgment day. They will receive shame and everlasting contempt. There are people hiding behind lawyers today. Hiding behind sleight of hand and never being caught. Can you imagine the day if you die without Christ and God brings you to the judgment day and everyone sees you are the one that was that serial killer that they never caught. You are the one that, that slew that innocent person. And we've seen a lot of high case. Uh, high-profile cases if you've lived long enough. I'll tell you what, you'll know who killed O.J. Simpson's wife and Ronald Goldman. We'll know at the judgment day. We suspect, but we will know without a shadow of a doubt. And our hope certainly is that that person who murdered that woman and that man will be saved before he dares to die. He won't be able to hide forever. Jesus died at the hands of many executioners. What shame. What ignominy. They didn't even leave a linen garment on Him. He was naked. He was naked. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, hung in ignominy and shame. And do you understand the picture in the Old Testament they rip the skin off the animal and they 
pulled all the pieces, parts out, laid them on the altar. You know what that's a picture of? The lost sinner at the day of judgment. He, he can't hide. There's no skin. There's no lawyer to hide behind. There's no good works. There's no lie to hide behind. He's totally exposed as a liar, as a thief, as a, an idolater, as a Sabbath breaker, as a blasphemer. Oh friend, as we look at these, these visi- visible elements of Christ, these illustrations, let us repent of our sins. Let us show gratitude to God by an, a determination to new obedience. Let us be, be aware not to go out from here and sin with a high hand presumptuously against the Lord. Let us remember that Jesus died a slow death because He wanted us to see the sinfulness of sin and the condemnation of sin. The Bible doesn't say that people in the lake of fire are there for for a year or for ten years. There are people that dream that there's a second chance. You know, there are people that say that Jesus went to hell to give people a second chance to be saved. Jesus says there's a gulf fix, a great gulf fix that no man can bridge. Jesus was teaching by the six long hours of suffering. You realize the long, eternal nature of people who suffer the wrath of God? Forever and ever and ever. No watches. No calendars. No sunshine. Oh friend, this is serious. People want to dismiss the the serious nature of God's judgment. The Lord is teaching us by the cross that sin deserves wrath and suffering. And so the Lord tells us to remember by this visible means the tassels, also translated the lock of my head in Ezekiel 8, something kind of woven or spun together. They were to be on the corners or the wings or the quarters of the vesture. And they were to have that thread or that lace or that wire, so so to speak, of blue. Speaking of God's glory and heavenly nature of His Word. That you might look upon it and remember. And may I apply this today as you see the bread and the fruit of the vine. Remember. 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 Bring to mind on purpose that Jesus died in your place and suffered the wrath of God. This is what our sins deserve. The wrath of God. Remember. Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. It's the word Zechar. Remember all His commands. To do them and not follow our own hearts. And to be holy unto our God. Because He says, I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Just a, 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 a final thought. Isn't it interesting how this vesture, this robe of Jesus that was woven from the top 
the bottom was not ripped in two. They gambled for it. But it's an interesting thought to me that Jesus wore the same kind of robe as they were required to wear. As Jesus took the robe each day, He saw those tassels and He was reminded as a human being to obey God. And think about the the soldier that took that vesture home. Can't help but think in my mind's eye that he got to see the tassels and perhaps he asked Jewish priests what these meant. And he heard the centurion say, truly this man was the Son of God. And of course, we're glad that no one has found the vesture of the Lord, but it's just an interesting thought that you wonder if God used even that those tassels to make the pagan soldier think about the fact that the prince of life was murdered, that they were breaking the very commands that those tassels were reminding them to keep. Whatever happened to the robe of Jesus, we don't know. But I would not be surprised to meet the soldier one day that brought it home and God used it as a visible jolt to his soul. I remind us that we have sinned willfully. We have profaned the Sabbath day over and over again. God has spared us. We have, we need to repent of our self-exaltation our misuse and disuse of God's name, our prayerlessness and praiselessness and thanklessness, our mean-spirited, argumentative spirit. Jesus died in our place. He died alone, separated from God. Many foes punished Him. For six long hours, He suffered what is the equivalent of God's wrath of an eternal nature. So can we take the symbols and not take the Savior this afternoon? Can we take the symbols and forget the Son? May God slay our sins of a high hand. He is the Lord our God. He's brought us out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We are His servants. Jesus died to bring us back to God. and Let us walk with God this week. May this service, may this time together as we remember Jesus' blood and righteousness, remember His death, be a new beginning for us where we have fresh repentance and faith and a determination that we are going to obey God no matter what. He is worthy of our love and our obedience. Father, thank You for Your kindness to leave us visible reminders of the work of Christ, Your Son. And as such, they are reminders that He died for our sins and how this should be such a preventative of our own sin. As the the writer of Hebrews says, if we sin willfully after we have heard, there's no more sacrifice for sins. Oh, please, forgive us of our sins. 
Give us victory, Lord, over our pride and our rebellion. Help us to love You and to obey You. Lord, we pray as we take the bread that we are saying we believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God who's taken a body for us, a special body You prepared for Him, Father, to live and to die in our place. And we take the fruit of the vine and we drink it, Lord, and, and we say we, we believe that Jesus shed His blood for us, that it's by the blood of Christ that we are forgiven. Oh, Lord, please stir our souls. Give us a, a permanent effect to our time together this afternoon. Let us go into the world and resist the devil and the flesh and the world and live for Thee. Please give us victory in Jesus. Pray, Lord, that we would grow in grace in the knowledge of our Savior. And these things we pray in His name. Amen.